Cool. Lord, we just pray to give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, open our spiritual heart to receive what your message is, us, is to us today. Amen. Amen. There was an inference there that despite what I say, we want the Lord's message. I completely agree with that, so that's fine. Okay, my, um, my Father's Day connection then. <clears throat> oh, we're not on, so I don't know. Oh, there you go. Joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what I want to talk to you about today. It's, been, it's a very, very important thing for me. That strength that knowing the joy of the Lord is. But... My Father's Day connection is, really. I just thought, well, I'll start by saying that my dad, apparently, before I was born, he wanted to call me Joy. And he really wanted to call me Joy. He was, nonetheless, overruled, and I was called Jill. Which is actually quite fortunate. Because, if I'm honest with you, I was a little bit of a miserable child. (laughs) I was. It's true. I was that person on the, you know, on the, on the um, fairground picture of you on the roundabout, you know, and everybody's like, hey, and I was like, I was just that face, right, and I, I was, I was a bit of a miserable child, I'd got that face, and that was it, okay, but I'm not like that now, so something's happened, something's happened, there is a joy in me, and something has happened, so I just wanted to share that with you a little bit today. So if we say, if we think about joy and joyful, think about all those things. If you're spiritual and you say, what's your salvation and your freedom and your hope and your love and your happiness, deliverance and worship, purpose, and you might say they're really friendly. You might have that warm, fuzzy feeling of joy, you know, there's this happiness and this sort of a feeling. All those things. And they're all true, actually. They're all true. Joy is, what is joy? You know, we could go on for ages. I just want to share with you the aspect of what joy means to me and what absolutely grounds me solidly in my life with God. So what is it? Well, in the verse at the start, we read, it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I tend to focus there, and I have to think to myself, what is his joy? If it's the joy of the Lord, if it's his joy that is my strength, how can that possibly, possibly work? How can that be? Of course, we have, I have joy in the Lord and in my salvation, but if it's his joy, how does that work? Well, we know from the Bible, he says his joy is to do the will of the Father, and his joy is us. In Hebrews, we all know the verse, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. So his will, his joy was to do the will of the Father, and he was willing to go to the cross to reconcile us to God for that relationship. And we were in his sights all the time. The joy of us and the joy of relationship with us and the joy of me and you was in Jesus' sight all the time when he went to the cross. And that's his joy. And that's, if we can get that inside of us a little bit, 
That is an amazing truth to just meditate on. You could do that all week, that we are his focus. So because we are his joy, he can be ours. Now, what does that mean? What do I mean by that? Well, I was thinking, oh, oh, Helen's still in, that's good. I was thinking of Helen and her children when we were, we were um, dancing at the front here. And um, Helen has three brilliant children. And they belong to her, don't they? And they belong to her. And right from the minute they were conceived, they belong to Helen and Steve, of course. Um, but because of that, they have a special privilege. They can call her mum. They're the only people that can call her mum because they belong to her. So because they belong to her, she belongs to them. And that's sort of how it works because we are his joy He can be our joy. It's a special connection and it's a special relationship. Now, his his joy is not dependent on us, but our response to it is. So what do I mean by that? Well, his joy, like, his joy isn't dependent on us. It isn't dependent on Helen's children, um, whether they belong to her or not. She's got them for better or for worse. She's got them on good days and bad days. She is their mother and she loves them. And it isn't dependent on them. They're good, they're bad, things will go right, things will go wrong. But it isn't dependent on them. But their response to her as a parent and as a mum as they grow up is down to them. And that response and that, that response to the joy of the Lord in us is, um, is ours. He's the initiator Holy Spirit is the one that seeks us out and provokes us to change. We all, when, we all might think that um, we're Christians because we went, we, you know, those who seek will find that we went looking for Jesus. But that's not the case. He went looking for us first, right back then, right in the Garden of Eden days. You know, he, he is the initiator because we belong to him. If anything happened to our children, Helen's children, Helen would seek them out. She would be there for them because it doesn't depend on them, but their response does. And it's, it's that response that I think we need to just get down deep because it's such a, a fundamental thing that if you know you are holy and 100%, 100% loved to that degree and solid in his, you know, it... it Anyway, it establishes you. So, we'll go on. So, what does it look like? Right, okay. I thought, well, this is a hard one. So, what does joy look like? And I thought, well, I've got to tell you a little bit about me. I'll be very quick. But my, um, when I became a Christian, right, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't, I was a bit of a miserable child. That didn't really change through my teens. And it got a bit worse as I got a bit older into my teens, right? So, not a good place to be. But at the age of 18, I knelt on my bedroom floor to give my life to the Lord. In my way, of course, because I'd heard all this stuff. And it was one of those prayers of, you know, okay, God, if you're real, you know, you better show me and you better prove it to me. I had trust issues there all sorted. Now we're good. Um, But, you know, it was one of those prayers and it was real to me. And it was, okay, God, if this is real, I want it. 
And I, I did what, you know, asked him into my heart. That was the phrase at the time. But what I did is I gave him my life. I recognized that I was nothing without him. And I gave him my life. Okay. And at that point, um, there's only very, very few times in my Christian life that I've experienced a physical touch or, or anything like that. And I didn't know what it was then. I thought that was normal. But at the point when I knelt there on my own, I felt um, an arm, if you like. I felt sort of as if his arm had put round your shoulders, you know, a comforting arm. Now, that doesn't seem much to you, uh, but it was a big deal for me. I wasn't used to that. I didn't have that. I didn't know that. So that was a good feeling. And I heard the words, it'll be all right. And you know what? I believed it. I believed it. It'll be all right. And as I say, that's... That's it. And that, that was, I didn't know it then, but I was actually moving in faith. I was actually responding in faith. So what does this, having this joy of the Lord, of, of moving, of, st- of standing, of, of functioning in the joy of the Lord, it's, it, it's faith, it's confidence. You'll be a person, a victory of overcoming. You'll be attractive to others. This is what it does in you. These are the changes it makes. It inspires confidence in them. And it keeps you humble. I tell you, it does, because we know we can't earn it. We know it's not dependent on us. We know he loves us. So that verse, for the, Lord of you, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, comes from Nehemiah. So I want to just have a little look at the bit that it comes from. bit of the background, um, obviously we all know they were in, uh, the Israelites were in exile to Babylon, and uh, Nehemiah leads them back to rebuild, I think it was the third return, I'm not sure, yeah, um, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And they come back and they begin, and I can imagine it's a daunting task, and it's hard work, and we read, you know, the accounts, they had opposition from the uh, around and about areas, they had opposition from in, in thing. I always have a picture of them rebuilding the walls with the trowel in one hand and the sword in the other, and it was hard going. So they finished the walls, and um, they're done. They're great. They're in the walls. They're inside the walls. All their enemies are on the outside of the walls. And the, what they want to do next is they get out the book of the law. They read from the law of Moses. And this is where we're beginning. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Now, what that means, you've got to understand these people have been living in Babylon. So they didn't understand the Hebrew language. It was read in, in Hebrew And so they had to have someone to interpret and give them the sense of what it was all talking about. This is how, not infantile, but this is how naive, this is how young, this is how these people were. And they stood there with no knowledge. So Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, they said to the people, that's good, I like that anyway, that's a quick, so the governor, so you've got the government and the priesthood teaching, which is the um, apostolic and the prophetic. But anyway, we won't go there. So they said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Because they'd read the words of the law. They'd had it explained to them. And they realized, so they're standing there, and you would imagine, I don't know, if you imagine, we've just finished the walls, and they're standing in, in there, and they're going to hear from their leaders. And you, would ex- you might expect a bit of 
you know, well done. But actually, they begin to read from the law and they hear how sinful they are and they hear the state of their own heart and they hear um, the, the, the gap, if you like, and the vast chasm between them and God and his holiness and who they are and what they've become in Babylon. And they wept. And, but they also heard from the law that that particular day was the Feast of Trumpets. And so they said, don't. This day is holy to your God. Don't mourn or weep. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those to whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I thought, wow, they are broken. I'm sure we've all had those times when we see the state of ourselves before the Lord, and they're broken, but he's telling them to go and feast. And in the Jewish culture, a feast is extravagant. It's not just like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll allow myself a, a, a nice time uh, and stuff. It was, you have got to go and do that. So they had to accept the good with the bad. And it's, it's, diffi- it's easy to accept bad, well, I think it is. But when you're feeling bad, to accept the good as well. Because you are the joy of the Lord. Whatever state you're in, who's felt awful and you're not in a good place, you're not having a good day, and somebody will come up and say, oh, can you pray with me? And you go, oh, and you go, yes, Lord, can. Or in the watch, Maria hands you the microphone and says, pray, or you're not in a good, you know, but you have to do the good with the bad. Because if you're going through something tough, you are still the same valuable person and commodity. You are still the joy of the Lord. You are still his delight, so he can be yours. Whatever you do, whatever you situation, nothing had changed around them. All the people that were against them and criticizing them outside of the walls were the same. All the people that were against them and criticizing them inside the walls were the same. Right? When I made that commitment, nothing really changed in my situation, but it did inside Everything had changed inside of me, and everything had changed inside of them. They were now spiritually aware, and they were told to rejoice, and they were told to celebrate. Now, we can only come to God from where we are. That's important. Please, it took me a long time to get this, and I know it's a cliche, but we can only come to where God we are. Don't try and be anything you're not, because he sees, and he loves you. And he, and he absolutely adores who you are in him. And he, he, so we come to him from where we are. And they had a choice to be obedient and activate their faith. And they did. They went away and they celebrated the Feast of Trumpets. And they, they did. They, they did that. So it changes something. Stepping into the joy of the Lord changes something it transitions you it empowers you stabilizes you gives you perspective you see it from god's point of view not your own not from your circumstances it moves you it shifts you it repositions you and it makes you ready for the new thing now when we all come in on a sunday to the watch or we come to the 11 o'clock bit right and folk from up here be it maria or jenny or whoever's leader jane leading worship And they all go, come on, stir yourselves. 
step in. It's not so that they look good, you know. It's not so that we have a bouncy, you know, worship time and we can all go, yes, we did that well. It's this. It's this. Because if you step into that praise and that worship, and if you're obedient and you, you do that and you act in faith and you step into the joy of the Lord and you say, regardless of everything, regardless of what I've brought in with me, I put that down, I step into the joy of the Lord, I step into worship, I step into praise, it will transition you. It will empower you and it will stabilize you. And it repositions you ready for the new thing, which is good because we have lots of new things that can. It gets you ready for the new thing. The new thing for them was, as they carried on reading later on, um, the new thing for them was the next thing was tabernacles. So yeah, the Feast of Tabernacles, they had to go out and do booths and it was all new. But the point is they didn't know what was coming next and nor do we. And we have to be grounded in the joy of the Lord to move forward. So what does it feel like? So it says in the Oxford Dictionary, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, joy. So bubbly excitement, exuberant delight, overwhelming fulfillment, all those things, yeah. But life isn't always like that, is it? So how do you know you've got that in there? And I was thinking about that, and I thought, how do I know that? And I thought, well, let's go back to my um, lovely photos, childhood photos. Very often when I was standing there, the phrase that I would hear is, for goodness sake, Jill, smile, right? Smile. So I would, like this. And so on lots of photos, I would have had a great big Cheshire cat, you know, smile, like this. But it actually didn't change anything in here did it just because I was smiling on the outside it didn't do anything different in here because I could look and I I know because I was there and it was me but now I would say and I can only say it about me but that's how I thought how does how do I explain it and I thought whatever's happening because life isn't always brilliant is it it's quite stressful stuff happens it's really busy you go through things but I know there's a smile on the inside of me. That's all I can describe it like. If I, if I or you, we have the privilege of locking in to that joy of the Lord. We have the privilege of closing our eyes and coming away with him and knowing that smile and knowing that assurity of who he, who he says we are and who he is to us, and that joy of the Lord. And that's what it is to me. His joy is me, and so my joy is him. And so it's like a smile on the inside of us, and it's like a quiet confidence. Now that's a powerful, powerful place. Powerful place to touch. Because the enemy can't touch it. The enemy can't touch you in that place. He can mess with your head. He can mess with your circumstances. He can, oh, tr- it's, we, we get it wrong, I get it wrong, but I know when I come back to God and I shut my eyes and I know, I know that joy of the Lord inside of me and he can't touch me. And so I'm right back there again, just like, the, you know, just like, so I'm right back there again and say, okay, 
What's next? I step into it, Lord. You transition me. You empower me. You get me ready for the new. And we're going to do the next step. And we're going to do the next thing. It's powerful. So it's a place of peace, place of faith, place of hope, place of strength, and a knowledge that it'll be all okay. Because that's my bit. It's okay. We do. We have a little saying, don't we, between Dave and I. Um, it'll all be it'll all be okay in the end, we say, and then we say, and if it's uh, if it's not okay at the moment, then it can't be the end, can it? <laughs> so, and that's it, because we know it's going to be okay, and it wasn't always okay, but if it's not okay now, then it really can't be the end. So, I just want to encourage you. Just want to say, you know, if you are unsure whether you've got your smile inside, you know, whether you know that that is a surety in your life and whether you're living in that knowledge of the, the joy of the Lord. You need to ask him who you are to him. You can, you know, it's allowed. You know, it's allowed. You, take, you get yourself away with him. Go for a walk with him. Take, get your journal out. Whatever you do, lay in the sun with him, but ask him, to reveal his heart to you. Ask him who you are to him. Ask him to reveal his joy to you and what he says about you. It's a bit weird that, and it's a bit British. that You can't really, you know, it's difficult. But he will. He will surprise you. If, you, if you're going to journal, it will surprise you what comes out of the end of and your pen that God says about you. It will. Because you'll read it and you think, I don't write like that. Well, no, of course you don't, because it's not you. You know, I don't use those phrases. There will be things that you write that aren't normal to you because it's his heart for you. So I'd encourage you to do that. I'd encourage you to meditate on what he says in his promises. So his love is untainted. It's pure. It's unconditional. It's uncompromising. It's unending. And it deserves our very all. And we are his joy. We are his joy, so he can be ours. So I'm not going to labor the point because it's a very hot room. <laughs> um, but he is our joy, so we, he can be ours. We are his. Please ask him to reveal that to you. What?